Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of What the Dementia by Bamboo Care. I'm your host, Brianna Wilson. I am a certified dementia practitioner and the founder of Bamboo Care. Today's episode is a feature from our YouTube channel, Caring with Bamboo. If you would prefer to watch the video directly on YouTube, the link will be in the description box below. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to our channel. My name is Brianna Wilson. I am a certified dementia practitioner and the founder of Bamboo Care. So today's video is actually based on a question that someone asked me. And what they asked was, how am I able to connect with those who have dementia? And they wanted me to sum it up in just one sentence. And what I told them is that I think it's because I'm able to appeal to the human in people. And what does that actually mean? What does it mean to appeal to the human in someone? So I think I do a pretty good job at acknowledging that we are all human and as humans we all have likes, dislikes, preferences, wants, and desires. We all have little quirks about us and we all have things that motivate us that are in some ways influenced by this hierarchy of needs. Think Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you're not familiar with that hierarchy, I'll actually be making another video discussing that and how it's important to be familiar with it, okay? So based on that question, I decided to do a video on kind of like my top tips, essentially how I approach not just people with dementia, but especially people with dementia as well as others, okay? So tip number one is don't make assumptions. So for example, it doesn't matter if a caregiver or family member tells me, oh, you know they can't talk, right? Or they can't hear you, or they don't understand, or they won't understand. I don't make those assumptions. I don't assume that they can't talk. I don't assume that they can't hear, and I don't assume that they don't understand, okay? I approach them as I would anyone else. And you'd actually be surprised by how many people who were noted as nonverbal actually spoke to me. And I'm not saying they were just, you know, shouting out paragraphs, but maybe they said yes or no. Maybe they said like a small phrase. And some people have even said full sentences. But I never make those assumptions because you really don't know, okay? So when I'm planning to approach someone, if they're in a room, I still knock. I still introduce myself. I still explain why I'm there and what I'm going to be doing, especially before touching them. I let them know. I talk through the steps. And like I said, this doesn't matter if they talk back to me. This doesn't even matter if their eyes are open. I still tell them what I'm going to do before I do it. I also still ask if they have any pain. And some will nod, some will point, or some may not say anything at all. Right? But I don't make the assumption about what their response will be. I simply just ask. Okay? Tip number two is ask for permission or open invitation. So, like I said before, I do knock. I might say, may I come in? If we're working on something together, so say like dressing, I might say, let me know if you need my help. I might say, do you mind if I help you with? You know, so I'm opening invitation or I'm asking for permission 
before just intruding upon them and forcing myself upon them. You know, I'm asking them if this interaction between us is okay. I might even ask, is it okay if so-and-so joins us, right? Because they have the right to know who's going to be coming in and they have the right to say no. Tip number three, which is actually threefold, is don't set expectations, go with the flow. Don't impose and respect human rights. So again, this is about them. This is about their wants, their desires, their preferences. So I don't force them to do something they don't want to do. I don't impose anything upon them just because it's something I would like them to do. I respect the right that they can say no. I respect the right for them to refuse because most of the time people don't say no or refuse just for the heck of it, just for no reason at all. There's usually an underlying reason why they're saying no. And so what you have to do is you have to figure out what may be causing them to say no. And it's about picking your battles because most of the time it's not that serious. You can come back later and try again, especially once you figure out why they may be saying no. So you can encourage, you can convince, you know, you might try to be extra persuading, but you never want to force anything upon somebody, right? And like I said, you can always try again and come back later. Tip number four is to be patient and wait for a response or an action. And I think this one is really tricky for people. I tend to be extra patient, but some people, they want quick answers because that's what we're used to, like this kind of immediate feedback. When you ask somebody to do something, if you say raise your arm, somebody's gonna raise their arm kind of like that, but it might not be so fast with a person with dementia. So you have to give them that extra time and space to respond. So if they don't respond the first time that I say something, I might say it the exact same way. I might simplify it. I might reword it. Or I might add a visual cue or a physical cue to enhance the understanding of it. But I don't try to rush them or hurry them along or I don't start yelling at them because they didn't understand me the first time. Okay, so you really do have to be patient and wait because sometimes it can take someone with dementia up to 90 seconds. That's a minute and a half to respond. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Tip number five is to let them do as much as they can by themselves. Sometimes I hear, oh, they're not able to do that. Oh, we have to help. Oh, we have to help them with everything. Or no, they're not allowed to do that. And it's not necessarily that they can't do it, but sometimes it's that they haven't had the opportunity to do it. So they haven't been given that opportunity to do it. Or two, they haven't been set up with supports for success to be able to do it. So one person that I have that stands out in my mind is I had this lady and I was working with her and her family and the family was getting a little bit frustrated because she wasn't able to dress herself anymore but she didn't like when they tried to dress her and so every morning it was this big thing so one morning during the time that they normally try to get her dressed I decided to come over and see what's going on so there were a couple things that I noticed one 
One of the reasons she didn't want to get dressed is because she already felt like she had fresh clothes on. She didn't see a point. The second thing is that she wasn't able to get her own clothing out of the closet because her balance was a little bit impaired, and so it made her kind of unsteady and unsafe. So the family would go ahead and get the items out for her. Another thing that I noticed is that the family preferred to dress her in the bathroom sitting on the toilet, but she actually had a favorite chair that she liked to sit on. And another thing that I noticed is that she had difficulty orienting the clothing, so telling the front from the back on shirts and pants and underwear and things like that. But what I also noticed is if you held her hand while walking into the closet, she could pick out her own clothing. She knew exactly what she wanted to put on. If you oriented the shirt for her, she could put the shirt on no problem. Now, she did have an issue with the bra, but I mean, bras are tricky, right? So that wasn't a big deal. You know, I clasped it for her and she could put her arms in it. And then with the pants, once you oriented those for her, she could put them on. Her favorite chair that she liked sitting in rocked forward. And so when it rocked forward, it kind of got her low enough so that when she bent over, she could get her feet in. Now, she did need a little bit of help standing back up and a little bit of stability to pull them up over her hips, but she could do it. So what we discovered was it wasn't necessarily that she couldn't dress herself. And it's not that she really wanted to cause a big fuss about them trying to help her, but it's that she was able to help herself more than they were allowing her to, which caused frustration on both parties, right? So I do emphasize letting them do as much as they can by themselves and offering support, setting them up for success. Tip number seven is encourage, but do not baby talk. So if somebody is doing a good job, I might say you're doing a good job. I might say you're doing good. I might say, yep, just like that, or yep, that's right. But I don't baby talk them when I'm saying it. I don't say, oh, you're doing a good job, honey. Or, you know, I don't do that. I just, you know, if we're sitting up, I'm like, oh yeah, you're doing good. I talk to them in a normal voice, you know? And it's very easy for my voice, which is kind of high, to sound like baby talk. So I just really try to talk normal because it doesn't take much of a pitch shift for it to sound like baby talk, you know? So you have to be mindful of that because some people really take offense to it. It can be condescending, you know? And so you really want to avoid it. Tip number eight is listen and validate. And more than anything, this is probably what I spend the most time doing and why I'm able to really connect to just people in general, but especially those who have dementia, is because I'm one of the few people, because I'm not setting any expectations for our interaction, that I'm willing to take my time to listen, to understand their concerns, what's going on, you know, in their mind, and to understand their perspectives. So I listen to what they're telling me and I validate those emotions for them. Because even if I can't quite relate, or even if I don't quite understand what they're saying or where they're trying to go with their story, I listen. You know, I don't correct them. I don't try to impose my feelings upon them how I feel like they should feel. I, I don't do that. I just listen and I validate how they feel. Because honestly, most people just want to feel heard. Like someone cares. 
like someone's listening to them, okay? Because if every time you interact with somebody, you're imposing upon them, you're rushing the interaction, things like that, it doesn't really breed this like positive connected relationship. It can really make you guys distant and it can just cause a lot of um, tension, I guess is the word that I'm looking for in the relationship because there can start being resistance and things like that. And the last tip, which I believe we're on tip number nine, is to remain inquisitive. Always be inquisitive, but never be judgmental. You really do want to hone in on your dementia detective skills. Always trying to figure out why the person may say the things that they do, why the person may do the things that they do. You just want to understand. You really want to dig in deep and keep that inquisitive mind and just don't, don't look at it from a judgmental perspective. So that wraps up all of my tips. Hopefully you found them helpful and of value. If you have any tips of your own, feel free to leave them below because I barely scratched the surface and we have so many more tip videos to come, especially for specific scenarios and situations and challenges you may be dealing with. So definitely stay tuned. Remember, all of our social media links are in the description box as well as our website. And until next time, 